This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I welcome back Coach Arthurs. He was here before. Um, he's the defense coordinator at Naperville North High School up here in the suburbs of Illinois. Coach, thanks for coming back. Thanks, Steve, for having me. Um, Coach was one of the OG guests on the podcast, I think, a long, long time ago. I think it was during COVID, actually. I couldn't remember. I think it might have been. We weren't it was, playing. yeah, your early days, I remember. That's, that's when I was like – I need to talk football, so let's do. Let me, let me start this because we were all losing our minds, and uh, my beard was longer back then. I think because it was just <laughs> staying home. Um, yeah, that... but uh, let's let's you know you were on here before, so we know your 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 background. You went to SIU and all that good stuff. So uh, always defensive side of the ball. So how did the season go for you guys this year? I couldn't keep up with the DVC like I used to. Uh, being at Addison Trail, you know, right down the road. But how'd you guys' the season go this year for you? Especially after that crazy COVID year we had where everything blended together, where spring ball, summer, right back into a, the season, then right back into another one. Yeah. Um, this past year, we were 7-3, and three, uh, finished in second in the conference, had a great year, finished, um, you know, we lost in the first round to Marist Catholic, who was a really, really good team, mm-hmm. whose only three losses came from the uh, – two state champions and the other semifinal team. So we caught them in the first round and they were really good. And, uh, but overall it was a great season. We had a great class, great senior class Had a great win. Uh, week nine, we had to take on Naperville central on a Thursday night game to get ready for playoffs, which was the second time we played them that year or this last year in the season started with uh home with Flossmore, who was a new opponent for us. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of developed a relationship with that conference where we're going to, continue playing some of those schools over the course of the next few seasons. Um, yeah, then we, we uh, took on Orchard Lake, Michigan from uh, up, up in Orchard Lake, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, which is a preparatory academy up there. It's a great school. I actually, my previous, when I was a defensive assistant and we were almost south, we actually went to that their facility and played there. And uh, it's an unbelievable school. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, it's a prep academy. And uh, we, we took them on week three on a Saturday game this year, came out with a nice win, and um, they ended up being pretty good. They kind of struggled in the regular season, but their playoff system's different where, like, you only have to win a certain percentage of your games to qualify. So I mm. think they finished, like, below 500 in the regular season, but then won, like, one, two, or maybe even three playoff games and ended up pretty good. So 
that was a good win for us. And then, uh, yeah, we had a good run. We won, uh, what was it, three in a row. We won three in a row at the end to go into playoffs. And then, like I said, we caught a really good Marist Catholic team who, uh, you know, we'll be ready for the next time we take on one of those guys. But they were pretty good. Um, it's always a great, great conference, great football, uh, but great season for us. Yeah, uh, isn't it crazy? Only two public schools, one state this year, but that's here or there. That's it's whatever in Illinois. But um, I got to watch film on Maris for Glenbard West. They were big. Those were some big, big boys. Um, but yeah, that's a tough team to play. But yeah, um, it's crazy. I haven't talked to you since. Well, I, we coached track. I met you, saw you in track. But like, I keep thinking we're in 2021 still. So sometimes I might reflect back. It's crazy we're in 2022 because, like I said, that year blended together where I remember calling football plays during basketball practice in the summer because it blended so much together. <laughs> um, now, the last time I talked to you, you we talked about the four-two-five defense and stuff, and um, one of my questions is I know people went to the four-two-five more for like the spread teams, you know, how are you going to combat spread teams and everything. I don't know about the DVC or teams you guys are still playing. Do you still see the spread? Do you still feel like four two five and then s- start to sprinkle on something else? Because for me, everybody's going to a three three. Like everybody's going to that three 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 five. So the four two five. Will you like sprinkle in other things to combat other things? Are offensives changing on you all of a sudden? Where maybe they're not so much spread anymore. It's eleven personnel, twelve personnel coming back. Um, do you feel oh, like yeah. you have to we, switch yeah. that up? I mean, we definitely see base 11. We saw a lot more 20, 21, bigger personnel sets probably the last couple of years. Um, you know, so that four two five were pretty good. We do have a 3-4-30 package that we ran. Um, the team we played from Michigan, Orchard Lake, they, were one, they threw the ball like 95% of the time. Like they very Ooh. rarely ran the ball. Um, they were a big – and interesting story about them – they had came, their head coach who was there for a legendary time, super super successful up in that area, was a power eye, wishbone, run the ball, and then their new staff came in and they completely changed it into a spread throw the ball every play. Um, so I had come from my previous experience when I coached against them and it was pound the ball, pound the right. ball, pound the ball, right. And we're like, and it's crazy, like we're getting ready for this team and we knew that on their schedule. I'm t- I'm talking to our head coach John Drendel. And I'm like, hey, this is what they did. I'll be curious to say, see what they do. And he was like, yeah, I think they're going to switch to spread. Their head coach was a, um, a All-American high school kid that played quarterback at University of Michigan. So um, I think he, he wants to implement his system, which they did a great job with. So um, we do have a 30 package that we run. We ran it against Marist. Um, sometimes you know, we ran against Orchard Lake. We ran against other teams. Then we played a lot more of that two years ago this year. You know, we had a lot more experience at our linebacker core, and I think when you have that and you have a mm-hmm. bigger, stronger front up front, you can play more of that four two five, that four three, where you know, you know, you you have positions for guys to defend a lot of different things, and uh, yeah, so we run a couple different packages from our thirty front. We're looking to get more into some five man rush fronts next year, some fire zone coverages from it. Um, we don't we don't bring a ton into a game plan as far as like. A lot of new things. We'll definitely try to bring one new thing to combat what a team's doing each week. Um, but yeah, our kids are super coachable, super knowledgeable, and we, you know, that's part of the reason why we like basing on that four-two-five front. 
we want to be able to stop whatever teams line up and then try to do against us as you know instead of trying to have the gimmick and gadget them we want to be able to line up play fast diagnose run to the ball see what's in front of us and uh, be super prepared for whatever anybody's going to throw at us because that's what i was going to lead into because you're a defensive guy i'm an offensive guy as offensive guys we like to we say we have a base, but then we see something and we're like, well, this fits into our offense. We want to put it in there. We might go in and say, well, this defense is doing this, so we have to put in this play to do this or combat this. Um, so, like, for game plan, like you said, like, if you see a team do something completely different than you saw with the week the week before, you're are you making huge overall changes or are you just saying, you know what, we're going to change alignment? You know, we might change what you're reading instead. Like, how much change goes? Let's say you see an I formation team one week, then a complete spread. Like, is there a huge overhaul change, or is it just more of we're just going to tweak from the one same, thing from the same team from an I to a spread yes. from week to week? Or, yes. Uh, it it really comes down to you know percentages, right? Like what what does a team do best, and you have to game plan for that first and foremost. What are they going to do best? You know, if they've got a good powerful running back and a good offensive line, and we've seen some spread. You know, we're going to we're going to be ready to stop the run and be ready to get down dirty in the line of scrimmage because we know that they've got a good running back and, you know, they can pound the ball at the offensive line. But we also know we have to be prepared. And, um, you know, one of the things that's really helped us this past season is we started using some formation and personnel groupings um, that helped us recognize, you know, what's on the field and what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just got done. It was we were teaching a we had a one night winter youth camp and uh, I was teaching we were working with some young kids on stuff like this and just keeping it really basic with uh, understanding what teams come out in and what they can do. And then, you know, week to week knowing who our opponent is and what we think they're going to do with their best players is obviously the priority coming into the week. Yeah. Cause talking to, I'm a friend with Nick Davis. He's now the head coach at Ottawa university. He was the DC at Rose Holman. He talks to me about like, he's, he coached offense for like a year or two in college and he said, you know what I've learned? Defense, I can have the same play call five times in a row, but if I tag something to make them line up different and it's the same call five times in a row, it looks different to offenses. It's almost like you're out-formationing the offense with your defense. Do you find defenses are starting to lean more towards that kind of because offenses are just, we're crazy. We're RPO and we're doing this. If you just put a guy in the in one spot, it takes it away. It could be a coverage not meant to take away anything, but if you line up somebody there, it takes it away. Do you think defenses are kind of leaning more towards that, like we're going to move around, but I can call the same thing three times in a row, five times in a row? Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, an example is we ran a lot of, you know, single high cover three look last year, and we would use a different guy as that roll-down safety. You know, when we were playing um, Maris, they had a really good passing attack, so we took Luke Williams, who's our stud, safety and we rolled him down and then moved our big you know our heavy hitter all conference who primarily played stud safety strong safety for us as that middle third guy but we told you know we made him more of a run fit middle uh, middle of the or alley safety mm-hmm. and then our you know luke we were like hey man like you got anything short curl you're the pass guy and then other weeks you know we would take the heavy hitter guy and we put him as the roll down guy put luke as the deep third guy to rob the pass um so yeah definitely it's all about your players, you know, corners, you know, who's the better matchup? Where are you going to put, are you going to put guys, you know, with your corners, your best corner? Are you going to put him 
on the best guy all the time? Are you going to put him where they throw the ball most? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that dictate your game plan and di- dictate how you're going to defend certain teams and try it. Defense is all about taking away their best things. Like, that's just the priority always, and that's what you got to be able to do. And, uh, you don't, like you said, you don't want to have a million different calls going into a week trying to practice that. Like, that just makes it confusing, and kids aren't playing fast. So, if you can make small tweaks in a cover three and make it look like one thing and put another guy in that position and tell him to do another thing, uh, you may, it makes it easy. It makes it easy for the kids to play fast. Right. Cause, uh, we, we, our, our school kind of ran a four, two, five, and it was the same thing of, but here was the great debate of this defense that us often like we have in the, in the staff room. We're actually a four, four team because we're not really having outside safeties. That was the great debate of we're not a four, two, five team. We're a four, four team or we're a four, three team. Is there really a difference in those defenses? Cause that was the great debate of, or the best was, well, we're going to be in a 3-4, but that outside guy always blitzes. And I'm like, well, you're still in a 4-3 then. It doesn't matter. He's not dropping back. It's just a, di- a stand-up defensive end. Um, have you seen those debates? It's almost like wing T debates with air raid. I've seen these debates where it's like, it's a, not a 4-2-5, you're a 4-4. You're a 4-3. Does it really matter at the end of the day? Seriously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like when we're game planning as far as the staff goes, and we played a couple of odd front teams this year, and they had looks that they ran – against certain formations, you know, what they wanted to do. And I was like, guys, when they bring this guy and they move here, it's just an overfront. So tell, tell your guys, if you want to run this play, block it like an overfront. Mm-hmm. If they come this way or they're showing this, look, it's an under, block it like an under. It might not look like it pre-snap, but that's the way they're getting. And those rules can apply if you know that that's what they're going to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's all namesake and just trying to make it see it simple and easy for the kids. Um, it is our off. Well, it's your more your off season than mine because I coach basketball, so I'm not really like in my off season. But I still research things. Um, for you, who would you like reach out to or go watch or try to see to learn more about defense for you guys? You know, like what because we always find something during the off season. So like if when you're looking at like I want to go listen to this coach or watch this team or teams and try to take something from them. Um, you know, that team behind you, U of I, your Illini have been playing. <laughs> they played pretty good. They played pretty good defense this past season. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate that we have a player for our school in there who's actually going to be enrolling in about a week at their school. So, um, we're going to, de- I know I've talked to our head coach and he's trying to set something up where we can learn some stuff from their staff this offseason. Um, obviously, Northwestern with Aiden Gray going there mm-hmm. next year and my family connection. Um, you know, Coach Fitzgerald's always been super welcoming anytime we want to talk defense, anything. Anytime we want to come up there and meet with their staff. We went to a practice as well mm-hmm. um, the week before they played uh, their last game of the season and we were able to watch some stuff. And, uh, you know, just social media, um, I mean, it's it's unbelievable the resources that are out there. I've tried to come up with ways to categorize things to share with our staff as far as, hey, th- this is good resource if you want to look at this. Um you know, handing off fundamental assignments, position assignments, technique assignments to those guys, um, you know, while we try to look for little tweaks here and there that we want to implement based on things that we saw last year, we want to do a little bit better. Yeah, you may have to go to Purdue now to look at Illinois' defense with with, with Walters leaving, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that'd be a good place to go watch defense. 
Um, Northwestern's great, too. That practice, we watched them play. I know they had a rough year, but what they do on defense is great. Like, I got to watch the O-line, but watch their defense is great. Um, so with with your 4-2-5 and how you play everything, do you, do you play it? I might have asked you this the first time. Do you play where it's kind of like the TCU thing where your D-line and your two inside backers get one call, then you wait a little bit, and then the rest of them get a call to where you can mess around with because you don't want to mess up the stunts and then what everybody else has to do. Like you want this to happen up front. Do you do you kind of get two different calls going on or does everybody just get one call and everybody so, knows? So we'll do it both ways. Um, we actually use the term married and divorced as far as like, <laughs> hey, sometimes the nickel, the nickel or our Sam's going to be married into the call and the alignment. And then sometimes he's going to be divorced where he's going to be attached to the coverage assignment. So we use those terms as far as um, the strength calls and the two the two ways we want to call it. So we do it both ways using that terminology, um, which has helped us out of our base look, our base coverages. We're going to have the everybody kind of on the same page with the same look, um, just to make things super easy. Um, if you know if it was a day one alignment, day one assignment type thing, it would be all the same. And then different coverages will, like I said, those matchups will take different guys and put them in different spots. Um, a lot of our too high stuff, we like to move our nickel out and attach him to the coverage as opposed to having him married to the front call. Um, so it just depends on the coverage call that we're trying to run. A lot of our man stuff will do formation-based if they're going to be attached or if they're going to be divorced. Um, so it just depends on what coverage we're running and you know what we're trying to do behind it. Yeah, um, when I was at Charleston, we did that. It was like TCU-based, that playbook everybody has. So – D-line linebackers all the time got one call, and then we wait, and then somebody else signals in something for them. And it was cool because, you know, you want some, you know, the D-line, all they care about is the stunt call. They don't give – they don't care about what's happening behind them. So it was really nice for them. The two inside backers, their only jobs were blitzing and hook curls. So for that, it was like that's all you guys have to worry about at the time. And then everybody else kind of did their own thing. But then I meet other coaches where it's all one play call, so somebody signaling everything at one time, and it got confusing because of what you're, like you said, what you're trying to do. Like if it's a trips call and you need them to get into a certain coverage, if it's a two by two, it's pretty easy. You're only going to do so much, so it kept it real. You could keep it simple, or you make it real complex. And uh, that coach liked to make it complex, but I digress. Everything was complex, um, but that was the small town life. Um, and I might have asked you this too, and it depends on what players you have, but like in your perfect world, when you're going into the summer, into the season, what's the first things you work on? And I know it depends on players. I know it depends on what we have. Like, do you want to, like, you have to know man because that's what I want to do. Maybe it's cover three. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. Like, what would be like your first ideal thing you would like to do moving into the season? Uh, you know, when we start the season, we, we like to start with man. We think that that's the easiest way to get kids lined up. Um, you know, there's no splitting the difference. There's no, you know, there's not as many, not as many landmarks associated with it. So man coverage really helps us identify easily what we're going to, where we need to line up. And then we can build the coverage from there. So like we have our man too high look and we have our cover zero look out of that same type of too high structure. So our kids know, hey, when we're playing cover two or cover four, we know that this is where we should line up by knowing well who's the man that we're doing what we're doing to based on the coverage. Um, so we like to start with man early. 
Um, we don't practice a lot until the end of July. That's kind of mm-hmm. when we heat things up as far as full team practice scrimmages. So we do um, seven-on-seven passing league stuff. We do you know speed and lifting all the way throughout. Um, but that just helps us be pretty sound with our alignments is learning that man stuff first, working that technique. And plus, you, you find out really quick if you're going to be able to be a man team if you <laughs> run it fast. So that, uh, that's, true. that's helped us. That's, I never thought of that because – I think we always let's do cover two first or like figure out who we are and then sprinkle in man. Because I know for me, when I used to coach defense, I was scared to death to do man. Because like you said, like if you do man and that kid can't do it, but you're going to have to do it at some point. It scared me to death. I liked help over the top because my offensive mind would click in and be like, well, I need a bailout. I need something to bail me out. So I always like help over the top with that. Um, so with doing man first, how do you guys teach that to your entire linebacking core and safeties? Like their positioning, do you make them get into a certain position or do you find more comfortable for the kids? Like, okay, you can line up like this or how you punch and push and all that stuff, especially in seven on seven. You know, we, we teach our catch man, our bounce, bounce, stab technique. Um, that's our base man coverage technique that we use. We also have a press call where if we're, you know, if we want to press a guy, we'll play up tight on him. Um, we have an off call that will play off pre-snap and off as a, you know, ball snap, post snap. So we have four different kind of man coverage or a man coverage techniques that we'll employ into the same coverage. But we always start with our bounce, bounce, uh, bounce, bounce, stab, catch man, um, we find that that's the, again, the easiest way to get us lined up correctly, easiest way to teach us with our eyes how to play a man and uh, puts us in a good position to defend most routes, in-breaking routes, out-breaking routes, vertical pass. Um, yeah, we just find, we found that that's the simplest, most effective day one implementation technique-wise. Um, you're not bouncing up and down like Lombard West, right? I hope not. Uh, not, not. I, I saw the tape. You saw two of Glenbar West and them. <laughs> not as aggressive. Not, not as aggressive as those guys do. But I mean, we do in play. It's uh, in place. Bounce, bounce, stab with the outside arm to the inside shoulder, thumb up, um, catch man technique. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's we we do that with all of our all of our back end guys, corners, safeties, linebackers. Everybody works that technique. Um, it's across the board. Yeah. Uh... Coach, I gets them for three years. No, it's okay. Uh, they do a great job over there, so I'm not making fun of them. It was just when you watch film and you see them bouncing up and down, you're like, oh, okay, they're ready to go. Um, that's a small Illinois joke to people if they know who Glumbard West is. You know, powerhouse over there in, that, in our conference. Um, what? What's the most – oh, let's do this. Do you see offenses making a full circle back around? Like you, you in the DVC, you're going to see 11, 12 personnel. What we're starting to see, at least in this conference over here, is it's coming backwards where you're seeing buck sweep. It's coming back where you're seeing, you know, the orbit motion, you know, triple option stuff. Do you think that football is coming back full circle offensively? And then do you think that's because you defensive guys become really, really smart? and stopping things so it's like we have to come back full circle and do these things like do you see those things coming back and is that causing any issues not issues but like 
oh my god, now they're doing buck sweep. We got we used to stop inside zone. Now we got to stop buck sweep. We got to stop outside stuff. Like, do you see that coming back like full circle when we all played football back in the day? Um, I, we don't see a ton of it. I mean, we do. I mean, there is definitely a presence of teams know they got to be able to run the ball, and I think that you know running ball is a more effective offense if you're trying to keep the game going and keep the game in a position to win, mm-hmm. um, especially if you don't have a good quarterback. So, or I'm sorry, if your quarterback is not the best passer. Um, and, you know, when, as everybody says, if you're a defensive guy, if you've got a quarterback that can run the ball, <clears throat> stuff to defend, it's an extra hat in the box. <clears throat> so I think teams like to implement that spread with the quarterback run game. Um, you know, we saw a ton of the last couple of weeks of the season, we saw a ton of different empty formations that were all runs. I mean, it was, and you go back five years, you think empty, it's going to be throw the ball, throw right. the ball, throw the ball. Right. And I mean, it was, it was empty and it was different looks from it. And it was, you know, quarterback counter jet sweep, you know, all those different looks that come from condensed formations now into the spread formations with nobody in the backfield. Um, so I think that that's teams trying to implement the space, the spatial separation with offenses into you know, the mentality of we're going to try to pound the ball and run the ball and be effective with it. Yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, tight end and wing on the same side coming back, at least in, in the West Suburban on our side. The other side, you know, York and all them, they're going to do what they do. But, like, Morton does that and Willowbrook does pin and pull stuff and, like, and the buck sweeps coming back. Uh, I know Hensdale Central does different things. Um but like talking to other defensive guys are like, yeah, we're seeing triple option. We're starting to see um, rocket toss come back from a spread look, pistol look. And now we have to adjust because we've gotten so good at stopping the spread. Now we have to come back to stopping this. And that's where 425, I think, personally got big because of the spread. And then now people are going to a 3 3. And then now offenses are saying, well, if you're going to do a 3 3, we're going to go up the middle or do a thing to get to the outside. Um, do you think that's why maybe the four two five fits better? Because I think I personally think a four two five you can line up against any type of offense because you have the guys. Um, yeah. Do you think personally that's why it's like the perfect defense to figure that out, like how to set up to stop all these offenses coming back from from nineteen ninety five? These offenses <laughs> coming back. I do, and and it takes it takes players. You know, it takes players, and thankfully we've had some really good players. So, um, over the last couple of years on all, you know, our fronts really improved. Our D-line coach has done a great job and our line has done a great job improving our D-line. Um, you know, we've been blessed with some experienced linebackers the last couple of years. Um, we had a two-year all-conference kid who was a Mike backer for us. And as you know, mm-hmm. you've got a guy like that, you know, he's going to be pretty, he's going to be able to get people lined up and he's going to be able to make plays and make tackles. And that's been effective and that's definitely helped the defense run efficiently. So having good players has helped us. And, uh, you know, surprisingly, we saw, like, a ton of, like, tight sets, nub sets. That was kind of the look that we saw a ton of mm-hmm. the last yeah. couple of years was tight end and then two or three receivers. And a lot of times it would be three receivers with number three being, like, a wing, and he'd motion in, motion across. Um, we saw, like, that and the empty looks that we saw the last two, three weeks of the season were, um, you know, a lot of the primary stuff we saw. But, again, attached to the same run game that you're talking about. Yeah. The old school, you yeah. know, like jet sweep, box sweep, um, counter, triple option. You know, it's it's uh, 
it's fun. I'll tell you what, it's fun to prepare for stuff like that. It's fun to have the kids feel fast, feel confident defending whatever's in front of them. And I think the four two five allows that. Yeah, I would say, God bless you, defensive guys, because I will never go back to defensive side of the ball ever. Because the the, I think that's where I started losing my hair the first time being a young. I was young offense. I got forced to be on defense for two years. I said, never again will I go back and do defense, even though I had to coach defensive line this year for the first four weeks of the season. So I got to get my roots back. But I was like, oof, you guys game planning offenses. No, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you still have a full head of hair because mine would have been gone long ago if I was a defensive guy. Um, I was going to say, like, because I think you said, did you play linebacker or D-line in college? I cannot remember. I played defensive line. So do you do you coach D line or do you do linebackers or safeties or anything? I coach the I coach the linebackers. Do you ever miss doing D line? Because when I coached it, I was like, I kind of miss this. I'm O line, but I kind of miss this. Kind of miss the D line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes it's fun to jump in and just show them a little of the nuances that you know from <laughs> playing the position, a couple little things. But uh, our D line coach is great. My father helps out with the D line, so uh, I've got two really good defensive line coaches with me and uh i love coaching the linebackers i've had a, you know some really good players last couple of year like i said we had a kid who was a two-year all-conference kid um bo richter my first year who plays in plays at the university of air force so we've had some talent at that position um it's been fun uh we have i have a great def- i have a great defensive staff i'm really really lucky to have the guys i have um that are very knowledgeable on their ends and kind of just overall defense that's the thing that I've really noticed is like we're all pretty smart football coaches across the, you know, the entire concept. And, you know, Coach Drennel being a defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. um, we've got some really smart football coaches, guys that are experienced. Um, you know, I, it's funny because like my, my defensive coaching staff, I've got me, our uh, linebackers and our head strength, who's also our head strength coach. We're about the same age. We teach B together. And um, our D-line coach, primary D-line coach, he's the same age as us. And then we've got – our DB's coach who's been coaching for a long time um, at Naperville North. And then we've got my father and another gentleman who's a retired FBI agent um, coaching our DB. So there's like a big range of ages in the group. Um, But yeah, I mean, super lucky to have a good staff and good guys that I coach with along with coach Drendel, obviously is our head coach. He's awesome. Um, Since I haven't talked to you during COVID and we've gone through a couple seasons, was there anything during COVID or that year specifically that you learned or took from that that you're now using towards maybe forever from now? I know for me it was like be simple. It was not be so old school coach. Like I'm always yelling. Like I had to take a step back and say I don't have to do this all the time or like like something stupid like that. But like was there anything specific from that time? Because I haven't got to – because I got to talk to you during track, but that was about track. You know, I didn't get to ask, like, what was there anything specific maybe you learned during that time? Like, I will use this going forward. <laughs> well, I think just the natural progression of life. Um, when we talked during that COVID time, I had a uh, – I might have had a two- or three-month-old son at home. So I was just a brand-new dad then, and now I've got a two-and-a-half, almost three-year-old, and a five-month at home. So, you know, growing up from a newer dad to a dad that's got two boys at home that – you know, you look at them and like, that's how I feel about our kids too, that we coach. Like these are our kids. These are somebody else's kids. And just that natural evolution of, you know, how you work with kids. Um, I think there's a, there's a growing part of that that takes place when 
you have kids and that I've been through that. At least I feel that way. That's what's definitely grown with me. And, you know, you just don't take anything for granted work with our kids, especially, you know, regardless of talent ability, regardless of wins, anything like that. Like we've got great kids at Naperville that love our school, that love our community and super thankful for them. Like we, like I said, we did a winter youth skills camp this tonight actually. And we had 140 kids there from third to eighth grade. And we had probably eight coaches there, something like that. And then we had, I want to say 15 to 20 of our players that came out to help that and work with our kids. And that starts again with our head coach on what he's been able to do and make it special for those kids. Um, and we try to implement that and treat our kids like that. So, uh, I mean, I think that's the main thing that I took from COVID as far as relationship wise and working with kids, obviously, you know, you learn and you grow from your scheme and, try to implement yourself but just being able to teach kids and work with kids in a different light um once you have your own children definitely makes an impact at least it has for me and that whole time that we went through like that just appreciating everything you got always with your kids in your school yeah and then i think we all i don't know about you there's a part of our minds that were like do i need to go back and coach look at all this extra time that i have but then like you said then it was like nah you gotta be like you had your kids but then all the kids we coach are our kids too. So it's like, you can't, you had to keep, keep going. Cause I knew coaches that did that. They're like, I could be at home. So they stayed home. They were done. There's days I have that though. When I coach, I coach all three. So I'm like, wait a minute. I could be home right now. I could be home, not out out in the snow or or doing that stuff. Um, now this might be my goal. My goal in life is to like be my son's head football coach someday. So, Oh yeah. Um, that's like, that's, that's what it's, that's what it's all about someday being that way. Um, so hopefully, you know, I always tell my wife, like a lot of guys have careers that are based on making the most money, making the biggest houses, my careers, you know, I'm trying to be my kids coach someday and help them reach all their goals as far as, you know, their next future. So, um, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky, very blessed to be with great guys and supportive wife. That's a part of it. I mean, my wife is amazing with, um, you know, helping with our family during the season. She comes to all of our games. She, we had, so my son, my youngest son was born the Monday we started football mm-hmm. um, this past season. And so he came to his first Naperville North game when he was like 13 days old, something like that. <laughs> Thankfully the weather was nice. Right. Um, and she, she lugged the two kids there and, you know, it's a family thing. Like she's, she's super supportive. I think, uh, you know, she was an athletic trainer at university of Iowa for their offensive line for four years. So oh, wow. it kind of, yeah, she's uh she was there when like, Kittle and James Daniels uh-huh. and all of those guys are there. She's like friends with them, which is kind of cool. Um, but she gets it and she loves Coach Kirk Ferentz and she loves football. So very lucky to have a supportive wife at home. I think that that's critical for coaches, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I'll be married next September. So I was going to ask. I knew you're engaged, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fall wedding. Don't, uh, that was an argument I wasn't going to win. So that's, that's okay. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, but it's one day uh, away from football, so it's okay. But yes, but uh, no, I get because I, like I said, I do all three, and I'm lucky I can do all three for now. One of them will go eventually, but uh, we'll, we'll 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 get there. Um, no, that's awesome because our athletic trainer played college soccer, so the best is when our kids kids complain and the athletic, she goes shut up and just suck it up. It's the best. <laughs> she gets it. Yeah, she's like. <laughs> 
the best is when a kid twists his ankle and she's pulling on it and then he pulls back and she goes stop being a baby and pulls the ankle back like you're quit being a baby and like who is this i was like she played college sports like just stop it's okay no that that that's that's an awesome response like i said i don't have kids so i don't know but one day one day i'll know what that feels like um so this might be a dumb question um do you work with your strength program too i think i think you might have said that um i do i do so um nrp wellness staff at naperville north our head strength coach is our assistant linebackers coach with me um you know we're like we're kind of like two peas in a pod if i had to be honest like we teach PE together. We're always together. I teach in the weight room. I taught four classes this past semester. He teaches seven of them. Um, you know, we're super tight. Uh, so, yeah, I'm super involved with our strength program. And he does an unbelievable job. There's a, you know, if there's a guy who's super passionate about weight training and providing the best for our kids with that aspect and all, all phases of it. And I think that that's where he really stands out is that he's always looking to find the best thing and any aspect of strength and performance, we call it strength and performance, strength and conditioning that you can imagine. So Kevin, he's another guy. If you ever want to get another guy to talk strictly that stuff, um, he's a really good, he's really, really, really good. And, uh, you know, his program, our program has been recognized by the uh, National um, Strength and Conditioning Coaches mm-hmm. Association as one of the programs of excellence. So he's done an awesome job, and he kind of built that program up. So, yeah, um, I do a ton of it. I teach our kids in it. And uh, in the summer, I'm on the field with – actually, the way we set up our summer training is we have speed and lifting with all sports. And, I mean, it, it molds into primarily football in the morning, mm-hmm. but I'm on the field, you know, from 7 to noon speed training every single athlete that enrolls in, in any sport um, at our school. And he's working in the weight room with every single athlete. And that's kind of how our weight room operates during the school year too. So we're – we're heavily involved in our student population with that with that aspect, not just our football team. Yeah, because I was I was gonna ask um, a guy that was coaching at AT. He's now at West Chicago. I think he might have went and talked to you guys, Coach Joe Dzinski. He like came over because I think he was looking. I don't remember. So that's what I was gonna ask you guys like how it works in schools because I'm seeing high schools now like like you said. I think at York even they have that wellness program where it's like varsity athletes have it during school. Um, so that's why I was going to ask you guys. I think I remember you guys were recognized. So that's why I was going to ask, like, is it varsity athletes during the school day for everybody, how you guys set it up, and then basing off of their in-season, off-season workouts and how that works. I think that's what you guys yeah. did. Uh, yeah, so we, you know, our kids, we have different types of, obviously, student athletes. Um, we have some kids that aren't athletes in the class. Like we said, we tell I. We actually had an overflow of sections this past semester where we had three periods where there was two, two teachers in the weight room team teaching the course. Wow. And it was like max, it was right around 70 kids in there oh, wow. um, of the eight periods. Yeah. So it was, I mean, we have a lot of kids yeah. enrolled in it right now. Um, and we obviously, you know, we use an app application called platform that allows us to put different programs in different kids hands and, based on the calendar, like, so let's take a football player. His platform profile operates under the group of football, which is attached to a calendar, which has different programs in it. So, you know, the in-season training has a time of the year, and then that breaks off in the off-season, and then that breaks off in the summer, 
Um, and that allows us to have that flexibility. And then we obviously have, you know, somebody who might not be a student, might not be an athlete in the class. They're enrolled in the, your classroom group that have access to different programs and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we're we're reaching a lot of the student body with what we're doing. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, because some schools look to it to have like a that during school with the varsity athletes. Then like you don't stay late after school practice lifting. It like saves time after practice. That's a lot of, a lot of way schools have been selling it. You know. Yes. Um, is to like, if you're practicing, done a practice at 545, then you got to stay another half hour to lift. Well, if you do it during school, you don't have to stay, you know, that's kind of the way it was being sold. Um, are you seeing more high schools start to transition to some of this stuff? You know, cause I know you guys might've been one of the first around the area that's been big. There's some school up North. They literally just hired a strength coach on a teacher salary. And I can't remember what high school it's a suburb and I can't remember um uh i know that like i'm I'm sorry i don't know the the gentleman's name but the he was the head coach at bradley bourbonnet yes and now he's the head coach at hf yes and i'm I'm sorry i don't remember his name off the top of my head but he's he's one of the top dogs in illinois with it and i know i don't know obviously i just follow his twitter twitter content and uh i know that that's his primary background of strength and conditioning right. coach um you know i think that with physical education everybody knows it's important like it's a critical part of student students days not just athletes and i think that with strength and performance you know you're getting something that has some good relativity for wellness and confidence and you know fitness and health and something that they can do in the future and it gives value to training and working out and being in shape and enjoying yourself finding yourself um you know a lot of times two we get kids that have never been in a weight room so they get out of that comfort level of like you know they learn to get comfortable in a setting that Mm -hmm. promotes health and wellness i think which is huge so i mean i I, why why wouldn't you like it's a great thing for kids um it's a great thing for student athletes non-athletes it's a great thing for everybody in the building um i'm gonna switch more to football real quick um with the strength stuff for you guys, or not even for you guys, maybe just you personally, the speed-based training stuff's become huge, that, that stuff. Are you guys starting to see yourself transition more into that type of stuff? Um, January 18th, yeah. first practice. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, especially for track, you know, for you, because you, you're also the, because you're the head track coach too as well. So, like, Tony Holler stuff from Plainfield North, like, is that stuff kind of over the years – started to filter and maybe your guys's programs or like you know and it's strange because the first time i saw it i said what do you mean there's no one rep max what do you mean it doesn't matter like this like seeing the stuff like my friend does it he is all into it down in central illinois steve if you saw one of our track practices you think we were the laziest people you ever saw and i said why oh because we'll run and then we sit for five or ten minutes and let the body you know reset so you think we were the laziest people you you ever saw um so for you guys, are you seeing that more transition to your guys' programs, researching it and using that type of stuff? You know, because it's about speed now. Everything's about speed now. Definitely. Um, I mean, Coach Holler and I are actually pretty close. We know each other pretty well. Um, I'd say that the like we share a lot of things in common, but the most thing that we share in common is our philosophy of how we should treat and coach our student athletes uh-huh. where, you know, when they're with us, they're having fun and they're working hard. Um, you know, we don't do a lot. Uh, we do a lot of the same stuff. I've 
learned so much from him. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, But we obviously do things differently at Naperville North than he does at Plainfield North. And, uh, but our philosophical approach to student athletes is definitely very common. And I really appreciate everything he's done for the sport of track and field. He's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at speed, it's just like looking at a strength calendar. There's different times of the season. You're trying to accomplish different things mm-hmm. in the realm of speed. Um, you know, right. Like for instance, right now we're going, we are in a phase right now where we should be running fast, not a ton of reps. We're building that bounciness, that springiness. Um, we're not conditioning based anything right now. That's the, there's no point. Like you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different times of the year. We're trying to build that same thing with going into the summer. Um, when you're getting into the season, same thing when you're going in, in when you're in the summer with somebody who's not going into a season, that's, uh, you know, a, uh, baseball kid, um, that, you know, you're speed training them in the summer they're in their off season. So programming is uh, key and critical and just identifying what you're trying to get to. Um, but a lot of the stuff coach Holler does, you know, we do, um, we time everything. We post everything. Um, our team website has all of our records on it. Guys know when they're PRing. It's something we highlight every single meet um, in front of our whole program. Every time somebody gets a you know a PR, um, it, it could be our slowest kid ran his fastest race ever. He's going to get to stand up and say his name and get a pin from our team, our captain. So, um, I, you know, philosophically, very similar to Tony and how we approach and coach our athletes and what we want them to enjoy and be a part of. Um, and he's done such great stuff with, you know, feed the cats, his X factor workouts, a lot of his exercises he does. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's an unbelievable coach. I'm thankful that I've gotten to know him a little bit on a personal level as far as, uh, you know, he's coached, he coached a couple of guys I played with at Southern Illinois. So we've talked and shared mm-hmm. stories a little bit. Him and, uh, Chris Corfus, that's another guy. Uh, he's been around, he was at York for a little bit, I think, uh, because our head coach at AT worked at York, and he was like, "Yeah, this guy named Chris Corfus was the track coach or IA track coach." And because I bring up the speed base training all the time, because that's my that was my off season this year was to learn more about that stuff. And because I'm stupid, I'm real stupid when it comes to all that stuff. Because I'm the guy that's like, just suck it up and lift it, or just suck it up and run. Like that's my guy. That's my mentality. That's why I was a thrower's coach. I didn't have to worry about <laughs> running or baseball. Like just hit the ball or O line. Like we're you know. Um, Big guy, big guy's got to run fast too, fast and explosive. Yeah, keep it short though. They don't like to run far. Keep well, it short, keep it fast. Well, that's what I tell our kids. Like if they do something, they're like, "Coach, I'll just outrun you." And I'm like, "I'm quick in a 12 yard distance. 12 yards, give me 12 yards, and I'm good." Outside of that, it's no good. I'm not running that <laughs> no more. I'm not running 40s anymore. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing that. No, when I was younger, that's how I was. The older I've gotten, the more I'm like, it's more science-based. It's more how you move your hips. It's more how you move your – like, I've learned that stuff. But that's my next venture is learning a lot of that feed the cat stuff and what everybody's kind of feeding into there. Um, Tony Holler's on my list to reach out to next because I'm like, why just not go to the source? Why not just go to the guy himself? He's 12 minutes he's, down. He's, in, he's incredible. He's awesome. And he's 12 minutes down the street or 15 minutes down the street because – so right down the street from Naperville North, so it's like Plainfield's right there. It's all good. Yes. Um. I, I one last uh, we'll we'll wrap it up because I know it's late. You got kids. You're relaxing on your break. Um, the AirPods are working great, Coach. Just so you know, they're working pretty good. We can we can hear you pretty well. Um, Thank you. Uh, if you had to be an offensive coach, what offense would you run? 
Oh man, I, I think about that often, and you know, when when I was at Wheaton South, where I grew up, where I played, um, the thing that Coach Thorne during those '90s and then Coach Mulich, they were so good at adapting to what they were good at, and I I guess that that's the answer I stand by. Was if I if I could coach any offense, it would be what fits my players best. Um, obviously, trying to run the ball. I build from, you know, you got to build your line. Um, and it's harder to do nowadays than ever with mm-hmm. kids, you know, finding those big guys. Um, mm, such a <laughs> tough question. I definitely have a tight end on the field. I definitely have, I'd say minimum 11 personnel, 75% of the time. And, you know, if you had a tight end who's flexible enough to do different things in those spread formations, um, you know, and then you have a slot who can be incorporated into some of the different offense. I, I mean, if you've got a good 11 personnel, you can pretty much do anything you want with it. So mm-hmm. that's what I try to operate on mostly if I could. And it's okay to change. Uh, when I first got into coaching, we ran the power eye option, three running backs. And that's all I knew. Spread was voodoo. Like, don't even look at spread. Don't even know anything about it. Then I became spread and I wanted to be an air raid, throw it around. I want to be spread, RPO, all that stuff. Now I'm looking at it going, maybe this gun T wing T stuff looks pretty good. Like it's, it's okay to change. It's okay. To coach, do coach, uh, Kenny Simpson's yeah. offense. Yeah. I, I like that stuff. He does some good stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah. And then I, I talked to a coach. He's in North Carolina. I think he's an offensive coordinator and he calls his the wing raid because his run game is all wing T. Then he took like four or five air raid passes and that's all they do. So he calls it the wing raid. And he was gonna he was gonna be like a, the next Kenny Simpson, and then I think he got too busy to like keep doing it. But I talked to him for like two hours about it one time, like because how, how do you incorporate all that? How do you have practice time for it because of how it works? Um, but yeah, Kenny Simpson, that's his. I have his books. Like that's why I'm like maybe I'm not a spread guy anymore. Maybe I have to go back to pistol under center stuff. Uh, but football comes full circle. Maybe that's where we have to go back to. I have no idea. But I'm in agreement. Absolutely. Agri- sure does. <laughs> I'm in agreement. We had a 6 3 tight end, 220 pounds at AT. So he was the perfect tight end that you're talking about. Uh, he tore his ACL, though, going to his junior year last year. So we got him as a senior. And so that was technically his junior year. And just, I'm with the 11 personnel. You can do anything, absolutely anything you want to do. Um, well, coach, I appreciate your time. I had you on here for a while. I know you got a family, kids. Probably need some sleep. It is break time. We need sleep around here. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on here again. Um, good luck this track season because I know that's your next sport coming up. Uh, good luck with track season. Um, we'll have to try to find each other at a clinic or something and talk some ball more. Um, you'll have to teach me some things you guys do in Naperville North because I still like to learn defense and stuff. But I appreciate you coming back on here. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Coach. I really appreciate it. Good luck on basketball and then into baseball. I need all the luck I can get and all the caffeine I can get to to, to get through it. Um, Heck yeah. Guys, follow Coach. His Twitter will be in the bio, all that good stuff. Um, Go follow him. It's good stuff in Naperville North. They're good at what they do. That's why they're one of the powerhouses in Illinois, in my opinion. Uh, But that's just my opinion. Um, Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time.